The opinions expressed on That's a Foul do not reflect the view of any organization to which the host or guest are affiliated or employed. Dave Plotz is in studio today. Fatherhood, Navy stories, leadership, and laughs. They're all inside here. Let's do it. Sports are an integral part of my life, specifically officiating. I've met a lot of interesting people on deck and on the sidelines. From referees to evaluators, coaches to administrators, and players to fans, each one has a story to tell. And that's a foul. It's a place to tell it. Each episode, we'll dive into personal and professional lives to see what they can share to make us all a little better tomorrow. I'm Chad Packer, and this is That's a Foul. So Dave came over to the house around 7.30 and left a little after 12.30. You might notice the topics moving quickly between one another as the conversations between Dave and I usually do. Dave is someone I admire tremendously because he shoots straight when he needs to, he's optimistic about everything, and he loves his family. As is usually the case with friends, the time passed too quickly between us, but hopefully we can get together soon to either paddle a river in our kayaks or talk deeply around a fire drinking in the good vibes of the evening. Let's meet Dave and hear some stories in quarter one. Well, I'm glad you came over. Like I said, we were, we were just talking about why don't we do this more? That's the point. We need to. I mean, absolutely. Even if it's, it doesn't have to be around this. It could just be, whatever. Around a bonfire, building a, in the woods, hangout, shed slash bar slash happy place. That's right. There you go. We're we're drinking bourbon. A little bit Should of bourbon. I'm yeah. okay with that. A little bit of rye bourbon tonight. Mm-hmm. It's got a ninety-five that. on the Pritchett scale. It does. Yeah. Are you enjoying that? It's. It's, it's smooth. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, it's good. We were talking outside um, a little bit. You you grew up on a farm. I did, sorts. yes. I feel like, mm-hmm. So I feel like you, you, you grew up on a farm, and your brothers and sisters are just as accomplished as you are. So I uh, grew up on a small farm. My father was a superintendent, uh, principal and superintendent of a career tech school, actually. Ah. I was growing up. Nice. Uh, I had the honor of going to the school that my dad was the principal of. Okay. And worked out okay. Mm-hmm. Wasn't nearly as bad as people might think, but we had a small farm. I have one brother, and we raised livestock. We had uh, pulled Herefords, had beef cattle, baled lots and lots of hay. <laughs> uh, can't tell you how many people we would have come out to bale hay with us, and they'd be there one session baling hay, and then they would never come back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to yep. call that a day. I'm going to put that on my resume. And... You ever bale hay? No. I tried to talk our uh, son, Roman. He's 16 this year. Is he? Oh, my God. He, yeah, he hasn't started working yet. I tried to talk him uh, into, uh, come with me. Let's go down to the farm. Right. Let's just bale hay this summer. I'll bale hay with you. I promise I'll do it with you. Okay. And I promise you, Roman, after this, every job will be easy. Right? <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. Good. Uh, had other livestock as well. Uh, but we. Uh, I was telling you about our third of an acre garden. Yeah. And uh, corn and beans. And I love that our garden was larger than the acreage of my first house that I had. I mean, yeah, yeah. A third of an acre, what what kind of, for the audience out there that don't understand hectares. Typical neighborhood Yeah. today, your house is on a third of an acre lot. Okay. So like the size of your home wow. lot, a typical home. Yeah. 
were you always going to get into education? I feel like, I mean, I know we've talked a little bit about it, but I mean, were you destined to be in education after? That's a terrible question, Dave. You started in the Navy. I did indeed. Yes. Yeah. So I did not want to go on to college. I was tracked to go to college, right? Everyone, sure. everyone my age, right? Go to college, go to college. That's what you have to do when you graduate high school. Uh, I did not want to go to college. I was done with school. Uh, I was, uh, even though I went to the career tech center, I was just done. So I had some friends enlisted in the Navy and told me about, about the opportunities there. So I went ahead and uh, enlisted in the Navy in 88. And so I left for boot camp December 1st of 88. I was in boot camp for Christmas. We sang happy birthday to Jesus. Ah. That was our Christmas <laughs> celebration. Nice. It's kind of funny. Now that we're talking about reminiscing about some of the stuff that goes on in boot camp. and Yeah. They turned off all the hot water. It was in Chicago in the winter. Oh. And they turned off all the hot water so that we would take showers more quickly, right? So yeah, some good good uh, good psychology and training behind that, right? How about that? So I, I guess I didn't realize you were enlisted. I feel like you. How how did you get to be an officer then? Yeah, so I I didn't want to go to school enlisted. Uh, okay. I wanted to serve my country. I wanted to travel and see the world. I wanted to do other things other than go to college. Yeah. So I did that, and the Navy immediately sent me to school because I'm I was useless without having some type of functional knowledge oh, of something sure. that I could do for the Navy. So I went to school, did that for a year, and then uh, I spent uh, two years enlisted, and I went to a squadron in San Diego. And while I was there, I decided, you know what? I'd really like to fly fighter jets. That's what I want to do with my life. Okay. So I applied for an ROTC program, got picked it up, and then went to Ohio State under ROTC. Okay. So that's how I ended up. Yeah, yep. OH. IO. Mm-hmm. And Damn, uh, I know. <laughs> Ohio State has us trained really well, right? Yeah. So fantastic school. <laughs> college, uh, college of Engineering went to uh, Electrical Engineering. Okay. Got my degree there. And then went back into the Navy as an officer. Okay. And as an officer is really where um, I cut my teeth per se. or Sure. Right. That's really where I put in the work. And I learned absolutely the most I've ever learned in my life in the military. I saw something in your office. I remember when you were in the downstairs office. There was a thing when you cross over the the equator, maybe for the first time. Did they do yeah. some? Yeah. Are you, are, you, are you allowed to talk about that? Is that well? Is the, that is that is that top secret or? Yeah. All the, all the military branches are steeped in tradition. Okay. In ceremony. <laughs> it, it helps keep you sane when you've been in the <laughs> ocean for it. several months at a time. Uh, so. Uh, when you cross the equator, the first time you cross the equator, you're a polywog. Okay. And there's a whole ceremony involved <laughs> that involves Neptune's baby and uh, eating your Navy breakfast and all kinds of things. Um, it's a most of the day ceremony. Uh, good buddy of mine, John Letourneau, at the time. John, if you're out there, I've looked you up. I can't find you anywhere online. Uh, John Letourneau. Uh, led the Pollywog revolt. We tried to revolt against the shellbacks. <laughs> Crazy time, right? Uh, but uh, so once you cross the line, once you go through the ceremony, then you're a shellback. And the Navy okay. actually gives you an official certificate. Wow. Yeah. I'm a big fan of traditions. You know, well, why are we doing this? It's just what we do. It's it's ingrained in our culture, especially traditions that are steeped in celebration. Right, like that. right. You know what I mean? You know, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on, but... Uh, there was no hazing or any sure. any of that kind of stuff. I mean, sure. it's just a good, crazy thing to do when you cross the equator. Well, it's kind of, it's it's this really cool line of demarcation, you know, right, right. Uh, zero degrees latitude. Right. I'm right. told. Yeah, I remember that. 
It's fantastic. I feel like you told me a story where you would jump into boats and chase people down. I mean, is that? Yeah, is yeah. That so right? I did, uh, on my first ship, I did two counter-narcotics deployments. Yes. Were you Don Johnson or? Um, I was I was definitely Don Johnson. Oh, yes. Yeah. Penny loafers and all. Oh, come on. I uh, wish I had the boat, though. Yeah. But we we had a Coast Guard detachment okay. that would come with us. And so Eastern Pacific, all up and down Central America and South America. And then we cut through the Panama Canal, and I got to uh, navigate the ship through the Panama Canal wow. multiple times. I didn't know that. Yeah. And wow. uh, uh, then uh, all over in the Caribbean as well, uh, we would uh, bust drug runners and then take them to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Wow. Uh, which So we would uh, pull into the port of Guantanamo Bay and then uh, go to take the prisoners to Guantanamo Bay and uh, the port that was distant from it. So we'd load the prisoners up. Okay. And uh, if uh, you haven't been in a third world country before, it's destitute. Wow. And I just vividly remember going down the main road, which was a dirt road, and seeing these houses that were shacks. They were just metal shacks that yeah. look like your garden shed out back. Sure. Right. Yeah. And that's how people lived. Oh my God. And, you know, you, we saw that all over Central America and South America. You know, there it's, it gives you a very different perspective when you come back to the United States. It gives you a very di- different perspective on things. One of the coolest things that we did in the Navy. So is we did those boardings. We would take the Coast Guard detachment okay. on a really small boat. And I was the captain of that little boat. And we would go out and board other vessels and search for narcotics. That's, I mean, we get intel and we'd be looking for people. Wow. So um, one of the craziest ones that happened is there was a fishing boat. It was broken and we went out to just help him and he tried to run away from us. <laughs> so I got on the boat with the Coast Guard detachment. We go out and the whole fishing hold, the entire hold was full of marijuana that oh was being transported to Florida. Uh, 5,000 pounds. So brought the guys back, documented all that. While all that was happening, a storm rolled in. So I had rain gear on and I'm on this little tiny boat in the middle of the ocean with BM2 Faulkner is another guy, right? And you, you know, you just remember all these people you had these experiences with. BM2 Faulkner and I were out there pouring down rain and all of a sudden something just kind of hitting us, you know, on, on the chest. We're looking around and a school of flying fish came swarming <laughs> through the ocean and they were pelting us. And so we picked them up, took a couple of pictures and we're, we're throwing <laughs> scoops of flying fish back into the ocean. Right. So, um, and we saw, you know, dolphins would ride the bow wave of the ship. Oh. We're talking this military stuff. All these memories are coming back now. Sure. We got no sleep, Chad, no sleep. I can't even tell you how little sleep we had. So I was on a stint where I'd had about two hours sleep that night. And gotten up and uh, at 1.30 in the morning, and I was on the 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. watch. So I was up on the bridge, and we're driving, looking for drug smugglers, running our box. And about 3.30 in the morning, all the chefs get up, and they start cooking cinnamon rolls. And that smell of the cinnamon oh. rolls carries through the whole ship. And, okay. <laughs> and then uh, they would carry cinnamon rolls to everybody who's on watch. And then you get up, and you'd watch that, that sunrise come up. And it's just sunrise on the ocean when nothing else is there is one of the most beautiful things you can ever see. And, uh, you know, I saw the Southern Cross, which is a constellation in the sky when you're down near the equator of the Southern Hemisphere. 
unbelievable constellation, uh, all these beautiful stars in the shape of a huge cross in the sky. It's okay. unmistakable. Uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Crosby, there it is. Yes, it is. When Thank you. you see the Southern Cross for That's it. the first time. No. That's it. No, That's absolutely it's, it. It's, it's a good one. Yep, yeah, absolutely is. Saw the green flash. What's that? When the sun, when you're down near the equator, you know, the atmosphere is basically a prism, right? So we get all those cool colors at sunset. Sure. So as the sun goes down with the equator, the prism is aligned a little bit differently. So the atmosphere can sometimes make this flash of green light right as the really sun sets, right as oh. right as it hits the horizon and sets this huge green flash. Another beautiful thing. So, you know, it's funny. We were, we were talking a little bit about you know our relationship to Earth and the experiences, and we we're talking a little bit of religion before we we press the record button here. But can I can I have another beer? Absolutely. Yeah. Got it right here. Announce what I'm drinking but they're not an official sponsor yet so <laughs> got my stuff out to the marketing department it is a premier beer though absolutely a premier it is beer. it is premier that's good stuff we got our generic paper towel coasters here too i love uh, astronomy and physics and astrophysics yeah and uh, i just you know i like it a lot i'm not yeah. i'm no professional at all sure uh, but i was reading a book that talked about you know if gravity was off by fractions of a percentage if it was fractions of a percentage different from what it is today the universe would not exist. It just wouldn't exist. And there are so many things out there that if they were different by this fraction of a percentage, nothing would exist in the universe. Water is an amazing substance because when it turns into a solid, it doesn't sink, it floats. Hmm. Everything else, if it if it uh, solidifies into a solid, it sinks. Okay. Water doesn't, it floats. And so that means that uh, the water, as you go deeper, then all the marine life can still exist. I mean, all these weird things that happen, the way mod water molecules go together as a solid, it's amazing. It's astounding. In quarter two, Dave and I really lean into parenting and how to support others through servant leadership. Let's flip topics here. I know that you and Abby have adopted two yeah. kids, and you have a son that's in the Navy. Is he still in the Navy? I did, um, he's Navy Reserve right now. I okay, yeah. yeah. And I know you probably have a picture of him. And how do you take all those experiences of, you know, singing Crosby, Stills, and Nash and looking at the Southern Cross and wearing your Don Johnson loafers and now drop that onto parenting? So I have five kids all together. And uh, my oldest kids, Kern and Darlena, you know how it goes. With everything, you try to do better. Yeah. And I've actually uh, talked to my son about some of the things that happened when I was a father to him. Mm. And there are definitely things I wish I could change. There are definitely things I wish I could go back and do better, right? And so now uh, here I've got, you know, another opportunity uh, with uh, Roman and then with Ricky and Sarah. Yeah. And so I have an another opportunity. Yeah. And so all those things that I wish I would have done, I know what they are, and now I'm able to do them. Yeah. So it's just like everything huh. else, right? What do you spend your time doing you're going to get good at? How do you invest your time? So if you invest your time in thinking about and trying to provide experiences for your children and great family time, then that's what's going to show. That's what you're going to be good at. And so, you know, Kern and Darlena, I did the best that I could with mm -hmm. them. There are definitely some things that would have changed. But you know what? Roman, Ricky, and Sarah, there are still some things I wish I would have done differently. I mean, you always, sure. hi, the hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Uh, you do the best you can in the moment. 
you make the best decisions you possibly can, right? Yeah. Everybody does. Sure. In in whatever circumstance you're in, everyone tries to make the best decision they can in in the moment. Yeah. So, you know, you can't beat yourself up for what's happened in the past. You just have to try and do better moving forward. Hmm. So, uh, having two little kids at home has been fantastic. Abby says that having young children at home keeps us young. I tell her that just keeps me tired, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's it's wonderful. Uh, both Abby and I love having a good family. Yeah. And uh, love have, love all our children to death. Would do anything for them, just like you would do anything for your kids. Yeah. Uh, you're a great dad too, Chad. Well, I mean, um, just... You know, it's, it's just like everything else. You do the best you can. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I, I did an interview the other day and, uh, somebody invited me on to do, you know, just water polo things. And he asked, you know, what, you know, can you think of a game that, you know, really stands out as this really outstanding thing or whatever? I said, well, yeah, but I can really think of a lot of them that I goofed up. Right. You know, right. where, where are you on that scale of, I call it the parent guilt scale or whatever, but you know, like we dropped Maddie off at school the other day. I was just like, I wish I would have done this. We should have done this. We should have done this. And, and then there's somebody tapping me on the shoulder going, God, you did all that though. Yeah, and yeah. you're being a little bit hard on yourself. Where are you on that on a, on a, on a daily basis? Are you overly critical on yourself or do you celebrate what you did well? I mean, just, I mean, I'm human, just like, sure. just like everybody. Sure. And we all tend to focus on what, what went poorly. Right. Yeah. But, um, uh, I'm very fortunate. I, I've taken lots of pictures and taken lots of videos. And sometimes I'll sit down and huh. I don't get to see my older kids nearly as much as I'd like to. Okay. But sometimes I'll sit sit down and I'll Google photos is great. You can yeah. put their name in and it pulls all that. Yeah. Stuff. And I'll go back, <laughs> you know, decades ago oh. and just reminisce in by yeah. myself, you know, just reminiscing about some of the things that we did together and just all the great times we had together. Poor Curran, uh, he did this dance with this little hat and a magician's hat and a magic wand. I have that recorded for forever. Yeah. Go back and I just laugh about all these fun times we had. You know? Yeah. So you have to, you absolutely have to go back and remember that. I like to think that we all try to do better at things. And that's yeah. why we focus on what didn't go well and sure. how can I make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. But at the same time, you have to celebrate the great things that have happened in your life. Even in thinking about your own experiences in your own childhood, I think back to when I was a child yeah. and some of the great experiences that my, my parents gave me. Now, I still remember some of the bad things that happened. Sure, of course. But, you know, I also, you have to, you have to intentionally try to think of those good things and then how are you going to carry those experiences from your childhood forward also? So I, I like to think about the things that my mom and dad did that I admire and remember and then I'm trying to do some of those things also with my kids. Hmm. A while, well, a while back, but maybe four or five years ago, you started. You, you either completed your MBA or you you started on your MBA. When did when did you finish that? Oh, Chad, that's a long story. So when I was an ROTC instructor, okay, I was an ROTC instructor at Miami University. Yeah, taught uh, naval engineering and weapon systems. Had a great time with that, by the way. So while I was attending, while I was teaching, I was also going to school full time for an MBA okay. at Miami University. Um, got to the point where I was about one semester away from finishing. I had five or six classes to finish up, but I was done with my active duty stint. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's actually when I uh, left the military, came to work at Butler Tech Okay. and did not have enough money to pay for school. By the time I got around to 
okay, I'm ready to go back. I've got, you know, the money in the bank. Let's go do this. I'm going to finish these six classes. Miami would not honor my previous work because the curriculum had changed. So I went back and forth, tried to work something out, but I think uh, seven years had passed, right? So so it was a significant amount of time. Sure. It wasn't like a a couple years. So seven years had passed. Couldn't work anything out with them. So I ended up uh, getting it online uh, at uh, Central Michigan University. Okay. And so did that entirely online. And the it was really interesting because the online experience for me was fantastic. Sure. So I did the whole MBA online. But it was great because I could get my work done in the time that it would have taken me to drive to Miami University. Oh, that's right? a great point. So I saved a huge amount of time. Yeah. And the classes were almost exactly the same coursework huh. um, to a T. I mean, nearly identical work. Uh, and then finish that up. Uh, through that program so and what was your concentration on that um information systems okay right uh at the time i was director of it yeah yeah so i had that technical background so information systems. awesome yeah you've done a lot of leadership stuff i mean when you think about navy parenting mba you think about all these other things about which we haven't even discussed what 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 is leadership dave ellipses dot 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 right it's an interesting question. Yeah, it's big. Because I don't I don't consciously think about leadership all the time. Okay. Right. So in the military when I was enlisted, it was pretty straightforward. Do your job, show up on time, make sure your uniform looks good, pass your physical assessment, you're gonna be fine. Okay. Then moving to the officer ranks, so much different. And, you know, I was, uh, I was a little bit older as an ensign officer in the Navy because I had a couple okay. of years experience, sure. right? Sure. So I was 24, but, you know, these kids coming out of high school like I had done and enlisting like I had done. So they're all 18, 19 years old, and we're all trying to figure out together. And so basically I was in the military. I did whatever it took okay. to make sure we met the mission. And then also try and take care of my people. And sometimes they didn't like the way I did that. Okay. Right. So, for example, uh, when you in the military, uh, if you're an, you know, an E3, there are certain things you have to do to make E4, okay. which is next higher up. Sure. And it's greater responsibility and it's higher pay grade. And, it's, you know, it's it's good to keep continue moving. Sure. Up, right. Sure. So the crew that I worked with, all fantastic guys. I didn't tell you what our sleep schedule was either. So on my first ship, our sleep sleep schedule was um, when we were underway, uh, the first 24-hour period, I could sleep for three hours. The second 24-hour period, I could sleep two hours here and then two hours over there. And then the third 24-hour period, I could sleep for six hours in a row, but I would cut it short by one hour to go do uh, training, do some other stuff. So I'd sleep for five, right? So I would take on that extra hour that I'd slip in there and I'd build training packets and do all this stuff. Wow. So at lunch, most of the rest of the people on the ship would uh, take a nap at lunch, right? But uh, my guys, I had them all come up and we would do training sessions. And they didn't like it because we were all exhausted, tired. We're all, we're all suffering together, I like to say. Sure. Right? We're all suffering together. <laughs> and we're all exhausted, tired. But what we did was we kept teaching and learning. So then when they all took their test to get to that next higher 
they all pass their test. Every sure. single one of them. They all nice. pass. Right. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of taking care of each other. Uh, I had a call one time, uh, two o'clock in the morning. One of the guys had taken the Greyhound bus and he'd gone home and he's visiting his family and he came back and it, the Greyhound bus dropped him off downtown San Diego and he realized he ran out of money oh. and he had no way to get back to, he, he was going back to the ship. He had no way to get back to the ship. So he called me up and I said, absolutely, I'll be there. My clothes on, went down, picked him up, took him back to the ship. No problem. Right. right. So the military really taught me. And, you know, you hear the idiom of, uh, in the military, the commanding officer, whoever eats last. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You make sure your people are taken care of first. Yeah. Right. And that's huge in the military. Yeah. Take care of your people. Take care of your people. And it pays off for everybody. Right. Pays off for everybody. Uh, pays off for the mission. Right. If you have people that are working in the military and they are, they're healthy and they feel valued and they know they are contributing and they know they are a part of the team, then you're going to get the job done, whatever it is. Sure. Now, I was fortunate. I wasn't in combat like I'm sure your friend was. Mm-hmm. But uh, many very stressful situations. And even the sleep deprivation by itself is its own stressful situation, right? Yeah. So that's one of the main things the military taught me. And that carried through. Uh, when I came off active duty, I went to the reserves. In the reserves, we did the same thing. So many reservists would just go to the reserve center and just do their time, spin their tires, and hang out. Right. <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> so I got with a group that was going and doing a mission for the for the Navy. And we did anything we could to support the active duty fleet. Okay. We would go recruit people from the reserve center to say, Hey guys, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to do well in the reserves, come with us, come work with us. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be motivated. And so we would do that. And in the reserves, one of the ways you would take care of your people is you would write everything they did up in their evaluation. Okay. So then when they go up for that next higher pay grade, sure. their evaluations in there, they get promoted. Okay. So we, we promoted more chief petty officers and out of that reserve center than anyone that I know of. Awesome. And again, it was just everyone coming together. Everyone's got to be on that team. Right. Uh, you can't have someone that's not pulling their weight. Everyone's got to pull their pull their weight and more sometimes. Sure. You know. How do you have that conversation with the person that isn't in the military versus maybe in the private sector? Like what's the private sector is very different. It right. Yeah. Many of the basic tenets are absolutely true. Number one, got to take care of your people. Yeah. Okay. The people that you are working with, you have to take care of them. Now, a huge thing that I had to learn was communicate. I had to completely change my communication style. Okay. In the military, when you're working 20-hour days, everything is bullet point, boom, 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 boom. This is what needs to be done. You know, you're sitting in your... Uh, divisional meetings or briefing the commanding officer on an evolution coming up. And, you know, this one thing that you're doing, you may be shooting a missile that's going to cost a million dollars. Right. So it's got to be right. Yeah. It's got to be right. So we would prep, we would plan, we would rehearse. And then on these briefings, boom, 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 bullet point communications, simple, clear, direct. Sure. 
So in transferring to the civilian sector, especially when it's not face-to-face, uh, any type of you know email correspondence or things like that, my style of communication was not what people were used to. Hmm. And so I had to make a lot of changes. And I had some very direct feedback from a variety of different people at our organization. Huh. And so I knew I had to make a change. So I looked at some really great communicators at our organization and made some changes. And I feel like I have. Yeah. I definitely take some time, yeah. you know, but uh, definitely changed my communication style. And in the military, you're communicating for the purpose of meeting the mission. I feel like in my civilian communications, you have to be able to communicate with empathy. Yeah. You have to be able to understand what someone is going through and share that you get it. And in my particular role at our organization, I also want to try and communicate with them that not only am I there with them, but I want to try and take that problem off their plate so that they can worry about the more important work that they are doing and taking care of our students. Quarter three wraps the conversation Dave and I had this evening. We talk about how to let things roll off your back. I go on and on about a story from the West Wing And Dave throws a curveball from his past that clearly energizes the hell out of me. Can I show with you one of one of the ways I keep myself grounded? Dig it, yeah. So, um, (laughs) so today I've got an uh, O H. Yeah, I saw that. I O. -O. There we go. Thank you. Shirt on. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) but you know, so so during the summertime, I don't I don't suit up, so to speak. But sure. You know, during the course of regular school year, I usually I'm like, you know, dress shirt, tie. Sure. Sport coat and slacks, at least. But underneath, I have a whole litany of funny T-shirts. Nice. Uh, One of my favorites is, it says, uh, I tried it at home, and it has a guy that's on fire running across the thing, right? So, you know, (laughs) don't try this at home or you'll end up on fire, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) So, so I like to wear funny T-shirts underneath all my dress clothes. Nice. And every once in a while, if I start taking myself a little too seriously, I think about this stupid shirt that I've got underneath. And then I also think about all the other things I've been through. Mm-hmm. Think, you know what? This issue, in the grand scheme of things, really not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's important? What are those big rocks, right? Right. Are we making a difference in kids' lives? Are we making a difference in the community? Mm. Yes, we are. Am I being a good dad? Well, I'm trying to be, right? Is my relationship with my wife, how is that? Yeah. Man, we're better than we ever were. Sure. You know, where are your big rocks at? Are those things good? Sometimes you have to pause because you can get too caught up in the moment. You have to pause and remember what are those big rocks and get back to them and make sure that whatever you're doing is one of those big rocks. Because if it's not one of the big rocks, it should run off of you like water. That's that's gold. If it's not one of your big rocks, it should run off you like water. Right. That's so good. And, and, you know, if you want to take that a little further, 
water over time can shape the rock. Mm. You know what I mean? But that big rock is still there. It right. may be shaped a little differently because sure. of the water that's continued to go over it, but let it run off you like water. Wow. So I told you I was fortunate. I was never in a really dangerous situation like your friend was, right? Sure. But one of the drug runners that we boarded, I mean, they had, you know, shotguns and other things. And I was going up there with a bulletproof vest and sidearm and Coast Guard detachments loaded to the teeth. And when you're going up there, you're kind of going... I really don't know what's going to happen. And uh, thankfully, nothing happened. You know, they, they saw U.S. Navy warship in the background. <laughs> they dropped everything. They, sure. You know, sure. When, when, the, when the haze gray ship is behind you with uh, the 5-inch 54 and the 20-millimeter <laughs> yeah. uh, machine guns, yeah. know, the writing's on the wall at that point. Sure. You know, we talked about having perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And as you pass certain milestones in life, you think about that. And I, I think wisdom is all about having perspective. Hmm. Hmm. You know, you can be young and you can be smart, but it doesn't mean you're wise. And I've met people who are wise, definitely wise beyond their years. Sure. My oldest son is wise beyond his years. But... You have to have, a, I think people like that have a different perspective on things. And they can figure out what those big rocks are. And they can let things that aren't those big rocks run off of them like water. That's good stuff. And, and the big rocks is that whole, you know, we, t- we talked about uh, Butler Tech, what is your why? Sure. You know, I don't remember what your why is. What Would you mind sharing what your why is? My why at Butler Tech or my why for life? Your personal why. My personal why? Yes. Um, my personal why is to live a life that allows other people to live their lives the way they want to live it. Right. I would say that's probably my own personal. That's probably my professional why. Right. But it's, you know, let me, like you were talking earlier, let me lift that for you so you can go do your thing, you know. Which can bite you in the ass sometimes because you 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 don't you don't take time for yourself. You know what I mean. You're well, so busy lifting. Just like everything, else. you have to have wisdom about it. Sure. You have you have to build that experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a great why. I was reading a reading a thing the other day about the you know the I don't remember where it was. I think it was in Luke, but uh, about the uh, the Good Samaritan. You know, and people were too busy. Do you watch The West Wing? You watch that show, The no. West Wing? I don't watch much TV. Oh, sorry. There's that's okay. Sorry, I'm not. Oh, Dave, how could you not watch The West Wing? There's a there's a thing in there where this guy is going through a real personal struggle, and his buddy Josh Lyman is is the guy who's going through a personal struggle, and his boss and mentor Leo tells him a story, and he goes, you know, tell you a story. You know, there's a there's a guy he's down in the hole, and you know, a a priest walks by and he yells up at the priest, "Hey, Father, could you?" Could you help me out here, you know? And the priest writes a prayer, and he, he throws it down into the hole. He walks on. Doctor walks by. Hey, Doc, could you, you know, could you could you help me out of the hole? The guy you know, writes him a prescription. He throws it down in the hole, you know? And then uh, then a friend walks by. He says, hey, Joe, could you, could you help me out? And he jumps in the hole, and he goes, Joe, what are you doing? Now we're both down in here. He said, no problem. I've been down in the hole before. I know the way out. <laughs> it's like exactly yeah a real friend a real servant leadership will 
jump into the hole with you. I've got this theory, right? So there's all this agitation with people. Okay. Especially with young people. And I think that, you know, what you're talking before about you get this group of guys mm-hmm. and you're going to go out and you're going to build stuff. You're going to yeah. bonfire. Yeah. And right. Yeah. Right. Tim Allen, that stuff. Yeah. Right. And uh, so you got to be, you got that, you got that group going. Right? right, where you do that stuff. Sure. Well, there needs to be a rite of passage for you to join that group. Mm. And in today's society, we don't have a good rite of passage to become an adult. Mm. We've got this slow, eventually. Sure. I know you turned eighteen, but you're not really an adult. You can stay at home when you want, right? Or you're going to college now, right? And you're, but we're paying for it, so, you know. And there's no, this no defining moment mm. for people, mm. where you've got something that's difficult and something that's challenging, and you prove your worth to your tribe. Mm. There's no rite of passage anymore. And I think that's where groups come up. Like you were okay. t- like like we were talking earlier, sure, right? Sure. It's where the pig lords come up. Sure. Right? Got this group of guys we want to hang out together. Even as pig lords. It's just social group, right? Yeah. It's a fun group. Yeah. We would have a rite of passage for people before they would be allowed to come in. And, you know, we were the lords. We would call them the you're you're gonna be a court jester for a while, right? <laughs> sure. And we'd have them do crazy stuff, right? But you you know, you had to do something to become a part of the group. Mm-hmm. We don't, as a society, we don't have that anymore. Mm. It's the slow burn into oblivion, and I don't know. I just feel like for our kids today, we need to have some type of. You know, people say there are countries that have everyone go through the military service. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Once you go through military service, there's a certain level of respect associated with that, sure. and. Now you're an adult, mm-hmm. you know, or uh, people that volunteer and go overseas. Um, huge amount of respect for people that do that. They, they leave everything. Yeah. Um, I have uh, some friends that they sold everything. They went down uh, to Central America and did volunteer work. But they were very young when they did that. They really didn't know what they were getting into. They went and they just did it. It's a rite of passage. There's a certain mm-hmm. amount of respect you give someone that goes through that rite of passage. And I just feel like we need that as a society. You know, we, we, we talk about athletics on this on this podcast a lot, but it's just the the concept of measuring where you where you where you want to be. Maybe we can call it backwards design, right? In education. You know, right, the, the right. test is over there. Let's work backwards and plan towards the test, right? Right. But I don't know. I'm always fascinated by that stuff. Speaking of athletics, fun fact, Dave wrestled in high school. You wrestled in high school, one eighty three. Oh no. <laughs> 141? Is there is there 141? What it what it, uh, it, it was it was not anywhere. Yeah, it was somewhere around there. Nice. Huh. One, one I saw 138 for a while and then Okay. Maybe there's a 141. I, I, I was always the 6 foot bean pole, so my nice. my record was not very good. So there's leverage though. I you know what I love I love god, I love going. First of all, I love going to athletic events. I just I just love it. I love watching the referees. I love watching the way like base umpires rotate around. I'm just fascinated by how by that. But I love going to wrestling matches because there's 
it's not the testosterone in the air it's the energy in the air i've i've i watched i watched these these girls in high school wrestle and it was just as exciting so it's nothing to do with testosterone yeah the coaching and the being the one-on-one in the mat right i mean it's right. i feel like teddy roosevelt once said it's not the critic who counts it's the man who's actually in the arena as a swimmer there were probably six to eight of us and there's always somebody else watching, but that that one on one thing. Oh yeah, it's just yeah. what what's what's that? I mean, and, what's and wrestling, your, wrestling, what's memory wrestling is that? crazy because it's so intense. It's max effort. <laughs> you have no idea that you can be so tired after oh. you know, just a few minutes. It's unbelievable. And I, I was I had no I had no body fat and I had no muscle. <laughs> so since I had no muscle, I had no leverage. Right? I sure. I, I didn't I I would say that I didn't bloom until I was like twenty eight. You know. <laughs> But uh, just like any physical activity, you have to put in the work. Yeah. You have to put in the work. And, you know, eventually I got to the point where I won my first match. And, you know, obviously there's an, there's an element of that natural aptitude or a certain, you know, physically or built a certain way that, you know, there was a study done, done once on Lance Armstrong that his legs are ideal for cycling, right? Ah, so, okay. Um, you know, you know, there are some elements of that, but, you know, in, in so many sports, you just, you just have to earn it. There's no other thing. You just have to earn it. Yeah. And, uh, our coaches, you know, push, push, push. Yeah. And man, if we, uh, if we missed a practice, we had to run for the amount of time <laughs> of practice that we missed. That was probably the best shape I was ever in my entire life. Yeah. And, uh, even like we had the rope climb to the top of the gym and back. I had, nice. the, I had the, I had the record one time. Co- I'll never forget that because coach just because I never won never won these matches never won and just didn't have the physical aptitude but for some reason I had some triceps on me and I could climb that rope like crazy and I remember him clicking the watch and kind of looking at me and goes well I guess that's record plots you know nice. I mean so you know you learn learn a lot being on a team that was the only sports team okay I was on in high school okay played volleyball later on but that's a different story sure sure yeah, I think the 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 coolest thing about wrestling that I see is, and I was I was talking to my buddy Craig about this the other day because he he was a center defender, um, and and water polo, and there's this there's this position that sets up in front of the cage, and that's the center forward and the center defender. It's very much a wrestling. There's a lot of physical, a lot of leverage, right? A lot of athleticism in there, just some strength, you know, part of it too, but a lot of in just counter moves and stuff like a lot of spins. Really hard to referee that center position. But um, as by, by the way, just for the record, water polo. Uh, I've never done it, but it looks cra- It looks like rugby in the water. Tides. I mean, it looks it looks unbelievable. It is. It's such a beautiful sport. I just God, I love it. I'm I'm so it's the first time since 1989. I talked about this outside. First time since 1989. I haven't had water polo in the fall. Oh man. So we're going. I mean, we're going 30 something years now, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. The bench is always behind your defensive end. So you're always coaching that, and I remember uh, when I when I taught high school, there were there were a couple of wrestling coaches, and they always had their their blazers and their shirts and their ties, and you're just constantly coaching the leverage. But the beauty right. of that right. sport is that you've got all these different guys and gals wrestling at the different weight levels, and um, the coach for for that nine minutes potentially, you are getting direct one on one coaching. Right, and at the end of it, you shake the other guy's hand. Right. You shake the referee's hand. You shake the other coach's hand. Yeah. The opposing coach. And then you right. walk off the mat. There's, there's just, there's a beauty in that sportsmanship. 
that no matter how much, I mean, I've watched East and West, right, who hate yeah. each other. Yeah. They love each other. We are Lakota, but they really hate each other. Still at the end, the West guy goes over and it pinned or be pinned. He right. goes over, right. he shakes the hand. Sometimes I look him in the eye, but he shakes the hand because that's 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 what you do. That's that's the beauty of athletics, right. I think, right. is that it teaches sportsmanship. Look him or look her in the eye and shake their hand and off you go. Yeah, that's what I love. I love that you were talking about traditions. Yeah. that's what I love yeah. about wrestling, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I just I, I love it. I love wrestling. I don't understand a damn thing that's happening. Not a damn thing. Get him over. Get him over. That's a reversal. I'm going, yeah, it's single a leg, single leg. Whatever right. that means. Yeah. Get him. Get him. Um, it's, it's, I don't understand what the hell's happening, but I'm in it. I'm in shoot, it. Shoot the leg. Right? Shoot the leg. Shoot the leg. Oh, it's so good. That's how you know you wrestle. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Bartender, I will take that neat, <laughs> as they say. There you go. Mm. Mm. Smells like Mount Adams. Okay. All right. So fourth quarter, Dave. That's where the stakes get high and interesting. Adjust the microphone. Get ready to answer. I wrote these a while ago. Who knows where it's going to go? For the audience, we're we're f- a little over five hours in now. We are. By now. the time we've walked around and fantastic conversation. It, you know, we haven't looked at the stars yet either. We haven't. We will on the way out. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, you can answer as, as succinctly as you want or whatever, but we'll, we'll keep it short as the go-home light is blinking. Cue the music, bartender. Okay. Favorite Navy-inspired movie. That's a tough one. Thinking it's got to be Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. Okay. Um, Battleship also because I'm I I like a good sci-fi. Okay. Okay. I like a uh, uh, Hunt for Red October. That's fan. Yep, that's and, a good one uh, too. Crimson Tide. I'm, I'm a Russian submarine captain. You can tell by my accent. That's John Connery. Yeah. Well exactly. done. Thank well you. Well done. It's summertime, Dave. What will we find you doing on the weekend? Uh, with the family, on the boat, on the lake. Ah, oh, God love you. Every time. Nice. Do you use the take a penny, leave a penny container at the local UDF? Uh, I leave pennies and nickels and dimes, but I typically have not taken them. Okay. Speaking of UDF, you can carry a total of three pints of ice cream to the counter. What are those three going to be? So I'm not really a sweets and ice cream guy. Okay. But I would definitely carry three ribeyes. Three ribeyes? Yes. Nice. Okay. That's the best dessert ever. Ribeye. <laughs> it is. Oh, that's great. Put, you're put like, a candle in it. Put a like, candle in it. <laughs> that it's like, good for birthday cake as well. Yeah. Ron Swanson from Parks and Rex there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure you have many power tools in your arsenal at home. Do you have a favorite? You know, the good old power drill works for everything. Okay. You got a brand or most I'm a Ryobi sponsors? guy. Ryobi. Ryobi guy. Absolutely. Oh, you don't say. Sponsored by Ryobi TM. Indeed. That's right. That's a foul. <laughs> I couldn't help but notice you have a Death Star piece of art in your office. Spoiler alert. Did you ever feel a little bit sorry for anyone on there when Luke blew it up? I did. Absolutely. Can you imagine, you know, you're 
uh, sanitation engineer, stormtrooper, and you're just doing your job, right? You get quite a good paycheck for your family, you know. And and you know you're taking the shuttle, and you know you got about. Oh, I'm checking my watch. I've got about an hour till the shuttle takes me back to Endor. And uh, oh, and great. all of a sudden the whole freaking place blows up. Ah, what? The, that's a contracting so job gone bitch. wrong right there. That's what that is. Do you have any fun projects around the house right now? So at the moment, uh, we are finishing renovating the condo at Cumberland. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wrapping that up. And literally, I was almost done. Uh, Had water damage from the neighbor upstairs and destroyed it all. It's all being rebuilt. Put in a paver patio. Okay. Okay. Not as nice as yours out back. I appreciate that. But I I did a paver patio. Okay. Our treehouse. Yes. The kids have talked me into. I'm going to put in a rock wall and a ladder and a slide. Yeah, boy. It's got that that got that going on. Okay. You know. Yeah. And I'm uh, buying a buying a pedal kayak on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, you are. You found one. I found one. Nice. We should go to VOA. Got a good deal on it. Okay. Can you kayak around there? Yeah. They won't kick you out or anything, right? This no. Is, this isn't not like, anymore. You know, this isn't like you know, you drop it in and you pedal around escaping westchester police or anything that's right it's it's uh like fifty dollars for an annual license but nobody's been there since march so you do your thing that's awesome nah yeah but i'm cheating i'm pedaling right i love it that's great good for you i want to fish i want to fish and catch fish let's do it i'm in for sure dave you grew up on a farm least and most favorite chores to do on that farm uh least favorite is definitely bailing hay hate you hate it I'm I'm allergic to hay. Okay. okay. Minor problem there. Okay. So had to wear a mask and everything. And it's bad. Is that an N95 mask? It's or? bad. I wish it was. Okay. Favorite chore on the farm mm. is uh, eating, eating the livestock. <laughs> had a reaction there. Okay. Because when you have corn-fed beef, it's delicious. Ah. Uh. And I don't mean when they advertise corn-fed beef, they mean like, oh, it's on a pasture seven seven days a week, and we'll throw it a bucket of corn every once in a while. No, our corn-fed beef was corn-fed daily, pulled Hereford beef, Yikes. amazing. Okay, drink a beer. You're sitting out in the middle of nowhere with nothing to think about. What do you find yourself thinking about? The stars, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. The infinite bigness and the infinite smallness? Well, the infinite bigness. Okay. Because those stars are mostly galaxies. Sure. So if you're out by yourself and alone, it's nice and dark. And I'd imagine myself laying on the ground on my back, looking straight up and seeing what's out there and trying to connect those dots. There's nothing better than being on the water. Looking up at the stars, bro. Oh, that's just, amazing. Just, yeah, yeah, that. Final question. Best piece of advice you'd pass on to anyone listening? Uh, so, it's my why. Mm-hmm. Make a difference. Whether it's as a boss, as a dad, as a leader, as someone working on something, make a difference. <laughs> I 
Well, I can tell you, man, you know, I admire the hell out of you. Feelings mutual, Chad. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. I mean that, Dave. Absolutely, I think Doc. I think you, you've got this tremendous amount of experience. You've got an amazing story. You've got an amazing wife, amazing family, amazing life experience. People are only going to grow by having friends like you. You know what I mean? Um, and that goes into making a difference. You know? I mean that. You know, at some point, we need to do one of these where I interview you. <laughs> no, seriously. Sure. Seriously. Your experiences are, are unbelievable. We've talked off mic a little bit about this. Sure. You need to share some of this with people. You really do. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think, I think uh, Rick taught me or told me one time, you know, you are you are best defined by the five people with whom you surround yourself the most. That five kind of interplay sometimes, but I, I, I think a lot about, you know, I... I would like my life to be defined by my friends, less my actions, more my friends, because my friends more define my my actions and my beliefs. Yeah. So. True words never spoken. Right <laughs> Indeed. There. Here's some more bourbon. Here's some more friends. Cheers. Here's some more beers. Cheers. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Now, I'm sure you can tell Dave and I have shared many deep conversations in the past. And of course, some really good times. And just like all the other episodes we've done so far, this one could have a second and a third one to follow. Now what you didn't hear before we began was Dave and I, for a moment, asking if we should press the record button or just kind of keep talking off mic. Well, I'm glad we chose to record these stories, but I do look forward to more of these without the microphones outside, just looking up. Until next time, y'all, be good to the refs. Shout out to our friend and fellow referee Adam Carroll for That's a Foul theme music. If you like what you heard today, tell a friend where to find us and follow us on your podcast service. As always, you can find show notes and other topics covered on today's show on our website, tafpodcast.com. <laughs>